0: Frank, you know, what's really cool? Hmm. The color purple. Yes, it's a great movie. Um, and you know what is also really cool? Cats skiing. Like a million cats, but you know what's even cooler than a million <laughs> cats? I'm just trying to tee it up here. Geez Louise. Uh,
1: Wait, wait, I, I, I know the answer to this. One billion cats
0: one billion (laughs) rows of data that can be sorted in a Java algorithm.
1: That's right. The latest Twitter
0: sensation. (laughs) Well, actually, you know, not only Twitter hacker news, I mean, this has been everywhere. And by the time this podcast comes out, no one will even care at all. But, you know, I think it's worth talking about because I am I'm interested in this. You sent me a little linky link to a GitHub repo called the one brc which is a 1 billion row challenge a fun exploration of how quickly 1 billion rows from a text file can be aggravated ag- aggravated aggregated yeah. in this case they did it with java but i would like to challenge gunner <laughs> gunner over here to say this could be any language why, why restrict yourself to java what if you want to open up it to the world of uh, .NET. And I actually think that this is a cool challenge that could be replicated in different programming languages uh, and, and runtimes that are out there as as uh, a way of looking at how to optimize. Like, I would love the .NET team to actually do this. Like, <laughs> like because I got to imagine there'd be some crazy, crazy yeah. things. So I'm actually <laughs> going to submit this to them. We'll see if what we do a post on this. But anyways, mm-hmm. you sent this to me. <clears throat> Here's the entire premise of it, is that you... Uh, the task is to write a Java program, or in this case, any any program that reads a file, calculates the min, ma- mean, and max temperatures. So there is a billion temperature values uh, per weather station, and emits the results um, in alphabetical order by station name. Blah 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 stuff. Yeah, sorting. You are sorting. You are you are calculating. You are doing stuff inside of it, there's right? Not even a sort. Like when I first read the instructions
1: for it, I am like. You know, these these are just like classic programming problems that you're like, I was expecting a sort, but no, nope, no sort. Really, it's just <laughs> aggregating. It's just uh, reduce. You're writing the reduce function from good old map reduce. Uh, it's 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 funny, like in some ways it is like there are whole websites with a million programming problems that are just like this, but. It's kind of funny that this one just kind of took off that people got kind of interested in. Like, "Mm." you know, with big data, with neural networks, with feeding those things data, we're all dealing with very large text files that we want to pump through apps lately. And I think this just kind of hit a little itch slash nerve, nervous itch (laughs) of people are like, I am pumping a lot of data through a lot of machines these days. And it would be fun to just optimize a Simple, yet pretty reflective of the real world kind of problem. And uh, let's all just collectively have a little bit of fun. That's why I got interested in it. It just seemed fun in some ways. Sometimes it's just fun to practice and get yeah. better.
0: Well, and I think also you might go about it one way. And as you sort of explore or explore and see other people, as you might or or think about where the bottlenecks are at, you might start to discover new uh, programming Features and language features and runtime mm-hmm. features that have these optimizations. I mean, heck, you maybe just want to dive through all of Stephen Tobes' blogs for .NET and on optimizations <laughs> and memory and all this stuff. Now, one question I do have, though, actually, before we get into this, actually, a few because uh, you decided to do this in F# so I'm interested in in this. But actually, I want to get to the challenge itself and some of the questions I don't think are answered maybe fully in the FAQ that they had. But my question is. One, how, if you're just doing this in general, any language, I'm imagining one, not just necessarily bottleneck, but perhaps one, um, variable in this, uh, challenge in this situation is your machine, like your hard drive speed yeah. and just your computer speed. Like, are we running this thing on standard hardware or Are we, <laughs> are we, Running on standard SSDs, like what's the situation um, that they that, that we we would have for this?
1: Yeah. Um so they they have in the challenge itself, they definitely have standardized on some hardware that the challenge gets run right on. And mm. it's hardware available in the cloud. So you can rent mm. that hardware and test your own on it to see how you perform. But honestly, it comes down to what you want to get out of something like this. Um, If you want to be in the top competition, that's absolutely something you should get used to doing. Yes, you should go get that cloud hardware and test against that cloud hardware specifically because buffer sizes and exact optimizations are really machine dependent these days, especially when it comes to memory. Um, Or you can do it how I did and not really care like. I'm not going to try to get in the top number one spot. I know how smart programmers are, especially when you like challenge their ego and <laughs> you, like make the fastest thing you absolutely can. I'm not looking to place number one. I just want to see that I can place like in the 50 percentile or a little bit above the 50 percentile to feed my own ego. Um, but really um, I, I think uh yeah, it just depends on what you're in, what you're in the mood for. Do you, do you want to aim for that number one spot? Or do you just want to see if you can write some fun code and try to optimize some code that's not related to work? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just not work.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot of those people do like the leak code, like kind of coding challenges, mm-hmm. obviously for like learning to code, but also sometimes they're just kind of fun. Just like if you go to like chess.com, right? There's like daily challenges. It's like your Wordle, yeah. right? You just want a little something out there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is pretty cool. It seems like they've gotten it down to about 12, seconds as the fastest here. But again, it's a billion rows of data. Um, but you're right, like big data has tons and tons of rows. Uh, and you might need to do some parsing, and you want to do it faster. So I like this concept. Now it's all in Java and there's all sorts of Java things uh, inside of here. So when you went about it or where was your starting point? And, and is there a GitHub repo where we can start to have the best C-sharp and F-sharp <laughs> implementations uh, around. Yeah,
1: um, I, I don't think that the, there's a standard repo out there yet. I started my own repo just because obviously I'm going to share the code. I did it on Twitter earlier, so <laughs> I just wanted to share the code. Uh, we, we should get a little organized in the .NET community and get like a proper one uh, set hmm. up in a similar style to how uh, the main Java project is set up. But uh, for my personal like getting into it, I chose not to read any of the Java code. Uh, they have okay. all the top competitors in there. I think the list is like 10 or 20 uh, different implementations of the algorithm uh, from the baseline all the way up to the super fastest. Like you said, 12 seconds on the test machine. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to go into this cold. I wanted to practice myself. I wanted to... Um, see if I could figure out how to make it fast. And in that case, uh, I, I didn't want to cheat, I guess. Like, go go read the fastest algorithm. How could you, like, you know, sometimes when people tell you, like, the answer to something you couldn't figure out, and then it seems so obvious in retrospect, mm-hmm. I don't want to read the fastest one and be like, yeah, that's totally how I would have implemented it. I yeah. wanted to, I want to suffer through my bad implementations until I smarten up and try to come up with something half-decent. Uh, so I, I didn't read anything, but more power to if you do it the other way.
0: So what are some of the things I'm looking at your code, by the way, you can find this. So we'll put a, a link into the show notes uh, over here, but the, um, so you chose your F sharp, any, any, any reason or rationale over F sharp versus C sharp.
1: Oh no. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll take that back. Um, if I wrote this in C sharp, I would be basically writing C code uh, because Mm. I couldn't help myself. I'm a C programmer. And so I would be using pointers and it would be the most C-ish C code you've ever seen written in C Sharp. (laughs) Some unsafe code, (laughs) perhaps. Oh, 100% unsafe. Um, So I did use F Sharp to try to convince myself to write a little bit cleaner code, but I completely failed. I ended up (laughs) writing C code in F Sharp. So it's a little bit embarrassing as like, it is definitely not functional code. It is the opposite of that. It is imperative. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just like the F sharp language too, the F sharp uh, interactive and things like that. And yeah. um, in the dot net world, uh, we're mostly going to be at the mercy of like the or I mean, for this problem, you're mostly going to be at the mercy of the IO system provided through the net runtime. So it really didn't matter if it was C sharp or F sharp. All the features I wanted are available to both languages. So it honestly didn't matter. I just went with F sharp.
0: Now, I see you're using some uh, system buffers, text system collections, generic, interesting, uh, some system IO and also some Microsoft F sharp native interop. Now, I guess normally <laughs> in F sharp, do you just always have the native interop or were you actually using no. native interop in a way? And my question to you is I have multiple questions. One, <laughs> I don't know if you're using a, a arrays or lists or some opt- or optimized generic collection. Are there considerations in the collection type that you're using? And then B, interopy things. Is there going to be performance things? Like what are the gotchas here that could actually bog down this code that you ran into?
1: Yeah, I I mean, so many things, right? So many. Um, I I wanted to start with the simplest implementation. So I tried not to concern myself, honestly, with performance or anything like that. Of course, I can't, you can't stop yourself. You, you ha- I always consider performance and all that. But um, data structures, you know, you're aggregating some data. What's our favorite aggregator? Dictionary. I mean, it's—it's it's the dot, it's been in .NET forever, and it's good. <laughs> it's fast. I don't know if you've ever used dictionary. It's fast. It's really good at what it does. Um, so it's hard to beat that thing in performance. But there are caveats to that. Um, it has one huge drawback in the way I'm using it. Um, which I'll talk about. But I just have, yeah, a big dictionary of string values. And for each value, it has some aggregate data that it's collecting so that it can do its statistics at the end to solve the actual problem. You could think like, from a computer science standpoint, it's it's mostly a problem of scanning through a very large file. This text file is 13 gigabytes. So how fast can you parse a 13 gigabyte text file? You know, this is... Yeah, 1 billion uh, entries. So everything yeah.
0: counts. And the and the format here wasn't XML, it wasn't JSON, it was just every line was a new entry, correct? With some data that needed to be parsed in a specific way, correct?
1: Yep, it was a comma separated value, except they used a semicolon instead of a comma. I don't know why. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, it's fun. So, like, uh, things to think about. Um, dictionary is very fast, but the key to the dictionary is, in the simplest form, a string value, the primary key that you would be using off of this. And that, in this case, it's a, a name of a weather station. And using a string... As a key to the dictionary means you have to have that string. To have that string, you have to allocate the string. If you're reading data from a file and turning that into a string, that means you're going to be allocating a string. Um, That's just how that works. And so an innocuous little decision, like let's use a string for the key for my dictionary, while dictionary is very fast, Your key now is very slow because you have to make 1 billion allocations. It's funny how like little things add up when you make it a billion. So you have to do this 1 billion times. You're going to be indexing uh, into that dictionary or probably more like 2 billion times. And, you know, that's that's the garbage collectors fast, but that's a billion. It's a big number of objects. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and you have a a struct type, and I was going to ask you about this because so what you're doing is you have a key, which is your string, and then you minimized your station data, which would be your value inside of your dictionary here, which is as min max sum count, which is double 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 int um, mm-hmm. in here. I'm, I'm assuming they were they all doubles? Could they not have been floats? or smaller something oh, smaller than that? It it definitely could have been smaller than that. So, um
1: yeah, I could there's a billion optimizations I have yet to make. Uh, I only did a this is about 2 hours of work we're discussing here. And so, um uh, the it's it could even be simpler than that because in the specification, uh the temperature only has one decimal place. So you could use even a more refined type. You could use a 16-bit integer to like really crush it down
0: in size. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. That makes sense to me. Using struct, which makes sense um, to me. Obviously, I guess if you were in C Sharp, would you use like record for this? Like a record type? No, you would use struct. (laughs) You could use a struct record.
1: Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. so uh, it's funny. C Sharp and F Sharp are a little reversed. So the default record type is um, um, a heap object. And when you put the word struct on it, that means it becomes a stack object, as in you're not allocating them on the heap and tracking them with the garbage collector. Uh, Again, billion rows. You're trying to put as little pressure on the garbage collector as possible. And it's not just garbage collector. It's Even if you were in a reference kind of language, it's allocations. You don't want to make a billion allocations, no matter what problem you're trying to solve. It's just a bad solution.
0: Could you have not used a value tuple, and like yeah, have no exactly. structure?
1: Yeah, but um, a value tuple is just a generic structure. I I, I like to name things. I like names. Good okay. name okay. names are good.
0: Well, you <laughs> can yes, give. You're, you're you absolutely can... right. Yes. You could give your tuple things and names. I guess I'm just I'm I'm going through your code. We're at line fifteen. We've gotten past the opens <laughs> and, and the uh, path of this text file. But you know what I mean. Like I'm kind of you know I think this is to me. I immediately think about allocations, right? I think about yeah. I think about this problem. I think about how long is it going to take to 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 load this file into memory. Not even I don't even know how to do that effectively. I'd probably do like file open, read a read a <laughs> string. I don't know. I'm probably do something stupid. Yeah. Um, well. The, that, that was
1: Copilot's suggestion. So you can imagine, like, the moment I typed in the function name, it's like, oh, I'm just going to write this for you. And that's what it did. It did file read all text, which for a 13 gigabyte file is, it it, it takes a while.
0: Yeah. Too you long. you. I'm imagining you're streaming this data in and looping through this yeah. data somehow. And some, I'm seeing some file streams and some stream readers, and you're just going through different buffer sizes and parsing out data. That's gotta be the law. Is that the longest process? Now, are you, are you loading and sorting at the same time? Are you, did you decide to load the data, then sort the data?
1: So um, th- there is a sort, but it, the, the sort happens at the very end, and mm. it kind of doesn't matter. It's the streaming that is the, yes, you're streaming. You have to stream the data. It's just too big. You don't want to load that into memory. Um, you can do tricks like memory map files, which I do. But um, yeah, the, the hardest part, honestly, with this problem is Unicode. It's always Unicode. Is always the hard thing. Mm. Um, If this was guaranteed to be an ASCII file, you know, you could go byte by byte. You could write a really efficient, simple parser that is guaranteed to work correctly. But no, um, one of the test files has emoji in it, so you're like, okay, I can't cheat too much. (laughs) I can't use my 1980s skills here. Um, So in that case, um, talk about learning new libraries in .NET with Span of T came um new ways to parse utf-8 and i assume utf-16 and other strings but definitely like utf-8 there's the utf-8 json parser reader one of those two things there's the utf-8 parser which Mm -hmm. will let you like uh get integers and floats and all doubles and all that kind of stuff um from a span of bytes instead of a span of cares Hmm. so that's really nice stuff to have around. And I started to use it and it definitely <laughs> improves speed. But I think i still need to do a lot of hand optimizations because it's still not fast enough, in my opinion. But it was really fun to start using some new, uh, the new UTF libraries, which I've read, a, I've read a lot about, but I honestly haven't used too much myself. How often are you writing a low level parser?
0: No, I mean, and I think that the thing that, stuck out to me probably when I thought of this was there's gotta be something that's come along for reading these files or some improvement. And then the other thing is I think of span, right? Which I like you just talked about, but like span of T all these things, you know, people have been talking about forever. The actual runtime uses them extensively for performance optimizations. And I was like, one, if I understood how spans worked at all, maybe I would attempt to tell you how I try to use them in this problem, but I'm like, I feel like probably a span <laughs> is something because be like really lightweight, really fast. Right. And that's why I like to use them everywhere because yeah. spans are there. So I do see a read only span inside of of here. So I'm imagining that not only did you get to use the UTF eight parser, but you also got to use some sweet spans inside this puppy.
1: Yeah, I I did. And I, I really like the span thing. Now here I, I did run into a fundamental problem with them, but I, I want to pay them a few compliments first. Um I was actually a little bit worried using them from F sharp because a lot of times these new libraries use a lot of um implicit conversions. Hmm. And implicit conversions aren't really an F sharp thing. They don't really they don't really dig that stuff. And so it can get a little bit verbose, but uh, I was able to write out all the span code. I think pretty elegantly, like it it was pretty readable to my eye. Um, If you look at the code that you'll probably link to, uh, there's no spans in there, though, because I did run into a fundamental problem. But should I pay spans any more compliments before I talk about the problem?
0: (laughs) No, go for it. I'm ready. (laughs)
1: Uh, The length property on spans is 32 bit. And Mm. a 13 gigabyte file has more than 32 bits of bytes in them. And so I couldn't have a span that covered the entire file. Uh. Now, why would I want a span that could cover the entire file? Because I used a trick called memory mapping a file into the OS where you open the file and it acts like there's an actual in-memory buffer the size of that file. Uh, It's a really good trick. Whenever you're reading data from that buffer, the operating system itself uses its memory manager to page in the data from um, the drive, the disk, whatever, whatever you memory mapped to. Uh, So it's a real low level, fun, efficient way to read files. But uh, poor, poor span could only do 32 bits and I couldn't use it in the end. And I got, I was upset because then I had to use pointers and I I would have much preferred to use spans.
0: Yeah. Now I guess in general with the span. So then that means there's really like no kind of like overhead in the F sharp world for the span. Basically you were just, you would have been okay if it, if it could have handled it.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure because a lot of that optimization happens at the JIT level um, mm. F sharp and C sharp output, roughly the same IL you know, given equivalent statements. So I wasn't worried at all about that kind of overhead since all that optimization in the .NET world happens at uh, JIT or native AOT time.
0: That's cool. So as you're going through this, you know, any other like big wins, big gotchas, things that you're like, I wish I'd started this way or thinking about this other way? (laughs) Right, so um, there, there's two more gotchas. Well, there's
1: three I would like to bring up. Uh, darn it, I wasn't able to get a good profiler working. Mm. And I do have a rule, like, you shouldn't do optimization work unless you have a good profiler running. Correct. And I was having a little bit of trouble. I, I used .NET 8, but I think my system's in a funny mode or something, and I couldn't get good uh, good symbols, you know, the old symbols problem. Good symbols in the uh, performance report so i was a little bit sad um i i do want to actually work on the problem again when i can actually analyze the code and see what is taking time but uh i'm not using not taking advantage of any multi-threading right now oh. and that is a big big oopsie doopsie uh you really need to even if in this kind of problem, you're kind of I.O. bound. You're bound by the speed of the hard drive that you're reading the data from. Uh, you're still doing a lot of computation. You're looking stuff up in a, uh, well, you're parsing. You're looking stuff up in a dictionary. You're updating stuff in a dictionary, things like that. Uh, you really should be doing that. Multi-threaded? I'm not. <laughs> that, that that was just a time constraint. I didn't have time to make it multi-threaded. And then, um, well, uh, what do you, what do you think of that?
0: Like, um, when I you're have,
1: working on a problem, yeah, I
0: would have started with it which is exactly what you just did, which is like, start with, I'm just going to do everything parallel, like, yes. like very much like write <laughs> down, like I'd start at the top and go to the bottom and like, see, just see how that goes. Cause the problem is you can over engineer things immediately and you're like, okay, what about this is a thread and that's a thread and then all the threads and then, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm already bad at threads because, you know, that's why I do just uh, mobile development has a single UI thread yeah. and I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> i I spin up tasks. But the thing is like, like you're not even talking tasks. You're just talking about, I mean, I guess you use the, the TPL, but you yeah. probably would spin up your own. You would be smarter and clever instead of using tasks. Maybe you would use different threading APIs that are even lower level than that.
1: Oh, yeah. In, in this case, you do the classic look up how many CPUs are on the machine and allocate that number of threads. Because mm-hmm. um, the, the there's a balancing act of oversubscribing to threads where your task switch time increases. So there is mm-hmm. a sweet spot, but it's usually somewhere between number of processors develop, divided by two and number of processors. So you just play around in that space, create that number of threads, and start feeding them work as fast as you can um, so that's what you that's what you absolutely should do to take advantage of the machine but um, fundamentally I would I would completely change how I'm currently uh, even approaching the problem uh, what I'm doing right now is I'm looking for a line looking for the semi <laughs> looking for the split character creating a string putting it into a dictionary um, that's all slow <laughs> from like a performance <laughs> point of view yeah <laughs> you're, you're doing way too much work that you really don't need to do so what you would really do is write a proper parser for this uh you keep a little state machine mm-hmm. you remember okay i just saw a semi i just saw a semicolon so now i can assume the next character is going to be a space a minus sign a number and then you put a switch statement for that and then you're like okay now i'm looking for a dot is it a dot no so it's an if statement and then a switch statement and then an if statement and then a switch statement and you just repeat this until basically you go mad <laughs> yeah but you can do this you can write a that first parser by hand character by character it's i've done it it's painful but in the end you get the fastest little machine you've ever seen on the planet um, because the one nice thing about this competition is there are a lot of weather stations I think there 's mm. thousand or a few thousand it doesn 't matter. You hard code each one of those into your little program, <laughs> <laughs> and so your problem becomes this: uh divide the data set by the number of processors you have, and then you painfully write over the course of many 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 hours a hand parser that interprets every byte given the previous byte. And you will have the perfect solution to this problem. And I really have to decide, am I at a point in my life where I really want to do that? But gosh darn it, I think I just might be.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also saw that you have like, you know, sequence.sort by. Like, you know, are, are the built-in sortings, like if I'm using, if I'm in C-sharp, I'm just using like link, right? Like, are the built-in sorters going to be as optimized as me doing custom things basically at this point like how does that work
1: well no never but um you have to think about the actual problem you're trying to solve so in this one um for one billion lines i have to accumulate some statistics Mm -hmm. at the very end i need to print those stats out in a sorted fashion but um there's only a few thousand entries that need to be sorted and then printed that code runs in a millisecond or two milliseconds, whereas this whole set of code is running in terms of minutes. Mm. So the millisecond it takes to run the nice, elegant link, you know, sort by all that is irrelevant because <laughs> the the time is in yeah. the other code is in the streaming code. So yeah. it's one of those things where like, if it's a thousand rows of something, pretty much no matter what code it is, it's going to run nicely. So, Type out the nicest, prettiest code that you can read in the future. Don't optimize that stuff. Optimize where it matters. Don't don't bother optimizing where it doesn't matter. It's not worth it.
0: So does this problem, no matter what programming language and runtime you're using, does it really just come down to how fast you can read the data from the file pretty much and parse those data? Is that is that the real problem? cuz like uh, the problem to me when i read it is is that's half of it and the other half being the sorting and the you know, mean and the averages and stuff but it sounds like the actual actual problem is the first half and not really the second half cuz when you read it you're like oh th- th- i got to do the sorting and uh, the and uh, the other stuff it makes it sound like oh I just how fast can you sort stuff and you're like oh i'm going to make binary trees or something and then i <laughs> i'm never going to make a binary tree but you know th- so you're, it's really sounding like the first part is the actual issue at hand
1: this whole thing is couched as a data reading problem Mm. but the real problem as as i think you're putting it the real problem is how fast can you read data off of a disk and do a tiny bit of processing with it in a very intelligent fashion this is the exact same problem uh compression libraries have how fast Mm. can i read data off a disk do some math on it spit it out so many programs i mean it's kind of fundamental programming is that how fast can i read in data do a tiny bit of processing on it and spit it out into a new form yeah. i think that's why it attracted such attention too it is that so that that perfect little problem of <laughs> read some stuff in the problem itself the uh, the sorting the accumulating the stats and sorting them that that's trivial i think yeah. i did that in about 10 minutes um, so the real problem, the real problem is, um,
0: how, how well do you know to, how to write high performance code, which is fun. So what was your end number and what do you believe your end number could be?
1: Oh, this is, I'm embarrassed by my end number. Um, I believe, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say two minutes and 50 seconds, which is just embarrassing. People don't, don't yell at me two minutes and 50 seconds not bad. It took it took me a while. I I was using a .net 9 random version and I couldn't get an OS 10 build out of it cuz my system was in a funny state because December Oops. has been a wacky month. <laughs> so I wasted a lot of time just getting my .nets all happy and all that kind of stuff. Plus it did take a little while to solve the actual problem and not get into the performance part of it and all that. Um 2 minutes and 50 seconds whereas um The mid-range on uh, the Java side was more like a minute or something like that. And so I did a very, very poor job. I give myself a C, but I did pass. I I solved the problem, and I got it a little faster. I started out at like four minutes and a half, and I got it down to 250.
0: Not bad. I mean, the baseline that Gunner had from this original one was... Four minutes and thirteen seconds. That was the baseline. That's uh, the twentieth as of recording, and the nineteen yeah, but, was two minutes and eight seconds.
1: But it turns out my computer is faster than whatever they're testing on. Ooh. <laughs> when I run their tests against the data,
0: it's faster on my computer. But I won't oh, wow. say
1: how much faster to save myself some embarrassment. <laughs> well, um, so what but, do you
0: think you can get it down to, though? Are we talking sub ten seconds?
1: I don't think so. That would actually take real effort. It, it, it's it's tricky in the .NET world. Like, um, I wrote the dumb, simple solution. Minor optimizations, very minor optimizations, and it ran in that four minutes and forty seconds. I then spent like another hour and a half working on what I considered a pretty performant version of it, and it only went down to two fifty which mm-hmm. makes me think I need to do some more fundamental changes. I know I can sit down and do that terrible thing that I mentioned earlier, where you handwrite a parser, which is yeah. the worst thing on the planet, but I love doing it. So it's a real mixed bag of feelings, <laughs> but I think that there are some proper tricks that I need to employ to get into those um, low, low, low numbers. And, without cheating without looking at other people's code i'm not sure if i'll discover those or not but that's kind of the excitement mm-hmm. that's why I, I definitely want a round two uh and we'll see i may like i said i'm aiming for middle of the pack 50 if i if i can score within the 50 percent of the pack i will be happy
0: that's not bad yeah middle of the pack seems to be around let me look right here around- 38 seconds seems to be in the middle of the pack. Yeah. So you got to cut it in. Sub-minute. Yeah. Sub-minute. Yeah. You do it. Yeah. Frank Krueger.
1: I or, think I can do it. Yeah. I I, I think it'll be um, the biggest waste of time on the planet, but it, but it's not. We used to have those code katas, right? It's fun
0: mm-hmm. to work on a challenge from time to time. Yeah. This is cool. I'm gonna send this over to the .Net team, and you know someone on the yes, team please. is gonna pick it up. Please, someone
1: <laughs> over there, please take the bait. I just want to see like a runtime person do this because they're gonna to... or a JIT person. A JIT person would do
0: a perfect oh my gosh. job. Yes, <laughs> I'm putting it right now in the teams teams chat. That is for sure. Uh, Where's where the .Net team? We have like a whole huge. We can make it a contest. I'll I'll offer five dollars to the win. <laughs> whoever does the fastest. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, this is cool. Thank you for like definitely chatting it up on this thing. I wouldn't have known about it until you told me. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was neat. And it's fun to see the Internet just have a good time too. Yeah. everyone's having fun with it. Well, I'm sure that there will be a bunch of Donna people once, you know, now that you've done it and get it out there. I say put it into an official thing. I think what would be neat is to to run it in like a you know, code space or whatever, right? Just like, oh, yeah, that would be fair. Yeah, it'd make more sense. Like, hey, we're going to use the four core whatever it is, configuration and run it. And then you could run all of them, you know, together on the same machine. That'd be nice. Just let it go away. Other last question I had, though, was. You're just running in Debo. Like, what if you, is there going to be any changes once you put it into release mode or is there native AOT considerations in this puppy?
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, it, I definitely played around with that stuff. Um, definitely release modes faster. Go figure! <laughs> Compile yeah. your fast code in release mode. Highly recommended. Um, uh, I did play around with trimming. I don't recall if I did AOT. Um, and not. Um, I'm sorry. What am I saying? The where they package it all up into one cute little EXE. So I did. Uh, I did. Um, Self-contained. The, self-contained thank you publish so you publish with the contained and you're all good to go and i had fun with that version that was the one i tried to test with the most because it seemed the most fair um i was told that aot can be a little bit tricksy where the aot kind of guarantees your fast startup time Mm. but can actually be slower because the JIT doesn't have as much flexibility as it would normally have yeah so it's definitely something to look at i would just say run it in both because you can't really predict. Um, so run it in both. <laughs> that makes if it's sense. under a couple minutes, it's worth it.
0: Now, in addition to the one billion row challenge, I'm surprised that you didn't dive into this, which is building self-contained games in C-sharp <laughs> and under two kilobytes. Um, this is Michael or Maca- Macau, Macau. I'm going to do a video with him on this specifically. Awesome. This is a follow-up to his previous one, which was from four years ago, which was building a self-contained game in C-sharp and under eight kilobytes. now it's under two <laughs> kilobytes. In fact, it's so small, it fits into a QR code, um, which is <laughs> awesome. wild. So uh, I'll put a link to that as well. This kind of blew up a little bit on the internet too. Oh. Um, and it's a full yeah game that like runs. It's code that i do not understand that is for sure um it's very (laughs) fast as screen buffers and there's all sorts of crazy things but i'm sure you understand it mr low level
1: oh it's 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 the bitmap info struct james and i'm really not joking here you don't know your bitmap info header like come on what kind of windows programmer were you
0: from from the everyone knows
1: bitmap info header that's how you create your uh, dibs, your device-independent bitmaps. Mm-hmm. That is the best way to blit to the screen. <laughs> I remember all my old Windows programming. Uh, I love this. I love this. We, we probably should do a whole episode on it, but I guess you're going to beat us to it with your YouTube and all that stuff. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah it's very exciting. Um, I saw I saw the game in a animated GIF or something like that and it was very high res it's like very simple graphics but i love high res vector graphics so i I hope everyone will check out the 2d uh uh, not 2d i I was gonna say wolfenstein style game wolfenstein 3d style
0: two kilobyte game that's what i meant to say that's cool All right, well, go check out these. I'll put links into the show notes for all of them, and we'll see how much faster Frank has gotten the F-sharp code the next few days, (laughs) see if he beats his time, and we'll report back. So stay tuned, stay subscribed. I think that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for watching and listening. Peace.